Hi, and welcome to show number 18 of the El Cafecito Travel Talks, a podcast where people share travel stories and adventures. My name is Tony Lloyd, and I'm your host. I'd like to thank all the people that have been following us so far, and for the new people, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe. Also to take a look at our Facebook page with the written stories, and we're still looking for people to submit some more stories. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please take a look at our podcast notes to find out how to do so. All contributions will be greatly appreciated. Today's show was previously recorded here at the Hostel El Cafecito in Cuenca. We'll be continuing a little bit the theme from show number 17, which talks about cultural identity and what it means to not fit the stereotypes when traveling. So please get yourself a cup of tea, a coffee, and enjoy today's show. I've been traveling off and on for about 10 years. I've been working abroad for, in that time also, so I've lived in six different countries. Uh, right now I'm currently in Ecuador, uh, working as an English teacher. Where were you in life before you started traveling? Before traveling, I was working in the U.S. as a lab researcher, doing medical research, academic research in a university. Okay, and what made you decide to go on the road? So after uh, three and a half years of working in research, I, w- I decided that it wasn't really my passion anymore, that I wanted to be outside in the world and not stuck in a laboratory with um, doing experiments all day long, working on Christmas, working on national holidays. I just mm. wanted to see the world. Where was your first trip? Where did you start off? So I first started off in Italy, and um, honestly, I don't really know why I started there. I just decided that. Italy sounded very exotic to me because it was Europe and growing up in the US Europe sounded very exotic very amazing very so let's go to the start let's you you get on the plane you're off to Italy you get to Italy and you're sitting right in front of me the rest of the audience cannot see you the obvious question is where are you from so I say I am from the US Mm -hmm. but the second question I always get is no where are you really from And the perception is that, uh, the, well, my issue, their issue is that I don't look American to them. I have black hair and almond-shaped eyes, and I look very Asian. How does that make you feel? It depends on my mood of, on, during that day. Um, some days I could laugh at it and accept it because, you know, um, the concept of Asians being from America is a little bit weird for a lot of people. What people see on TV and movies, they don't. What they see as Americans is always blonde hair, blue-eyed people. Not you don't really see much of diversity in movies, and so that's what people use to um, to create identity. Create create an identity exactly. So when I say I'm American, they just really can't believe it. They really struggle with the fact that I can speak English. Mm-hmm. And I speak with a very American accent, but I just don't look the part. Okay. So sometimes it's mind-blowing to them, and that's why they keep on asking me, where are you really from? Because your face doesn't say that. Okay. And do you remember one of the first experiences? It was just more of the whole, please explain your cultural past, because your face does not tell me that you're from America. Mm-hmm. So where are you really from? Where are, you, where are your grandparents from? Or where your, your, your whole ancestry is from? Please explain it to me because they, they just want to have this concrete idea to how I got to the US. 
even though it's really hard for people to recognize that US, the, uh, the United States is a country full of immigrants. The United States was founded on immigration, or lots of immigrants, but just people don't really think about that. When we're traveling, we don't see a lot of other Asian travelers, we don't see a lot of Asian American travelers. Why do you think that is? From my friends, I know that it's quite difficult to travel long term in from being from the US. We don't get a lot of holidays. We just do really short holidays, two, three weeks if we're lucky enough. I am quite a long term traveler, so it's quite you might see a bunch of Americans in short spurts, but not long term. And so I think and most Americans would tend to go to Europe and they stick with the same places. Truthfully, I really don't know why I don't see as many Asian Americans, but I have run into them and they've all had the same experiences I've had. Okay. So in talking to people, so it could be maybe somebody who's Asian, maybe it could be somebody who's a black American, when they're traveling, is there anything that you would like to, to, to say to those people? To, first of all, to encourage them to travel so that we do see more people out on the road so that people can have more experiences and say, oh yeah, I remember we saw another girl here before, another guy that maybe looked like you, and they were American too. Because I think, I honestly think that's part of it. I think that when, if they don't have enough contacts to see people with your identity, they don't have the references to go for. Right. And you think you could maybe we could suggest to some of those? I mean, I read some statistics, statistics <laughs> before that only 35% of the American population owns a passport. As you said, such a small percentage of Americans hold passports, such a small percentage of Americans are traveling. And then within that group, we have a, a smaller percentage of people that are not the typical Americans that you see on television exactly. and so forth. So how... Do you have any suggestion of how we could talk to those people and encourage them to come out and tell them that it's okay to come out also? I think it's just they need to have that mindset to want to explore and, and meet other people. And I think that's a hard part for a lot of Americans is that they do struggle with the whole meeting other people. Do you think, this is just a thought that's yeah. coming to my head right now, do you think there's a lot of pressure from family because in a lot of those situations, the families have their, uh, the mother and the fathers have come over to the U.S. And so there's this, this struggle of, okay, we've come to the U.S., we've gotten here, we've, uh, some people who have had really difficulties get in there, and then they say, okay, well, we want you to now stay here and make the best of this life. And if you start saying, I'm going off to Italy or to South America, they're like, what? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, um... My parents moved to the U.S. because they wanted a better life for their future and for, the, for their children. And I've chosen to go back to either China or Asia or developing countries. And they're very perplexed by my decision. And even a lot of people are really confused as to why I, even though I hold an American passport, choose to live abroad. I enjoy the challenges of living abroad. Um, I go to a country where I, a lot of times I don't even know the language. The only things I know how to say is hello, goodbye, and where's the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult. It's very difficult. I used to live in Japan and in the countryside, and I heard of one American who got to the train station in the countryside, got off the train, 
stood on a platform, looked around and said, no, I can't do it, jumped on a train and left, and went back to the state. Okay. So it's, it's taking them out of their comfort zone, and I think that's a hard part for a lot of people, um, especially in the U.S. Here we are in, in Ecuador, and of course, as you said, when people see you, they're saying, okay, so no, you're really from the U.S., so you're not from the U.S.? Have you had any experiences of where maybe a fellow American, you might see them in a crowd or something, and you approach them and they're looking at you like, okay, so who are you? A couple times, yeah. Like um, in Asia, I was working in Asia for a bit, and um, I ran into an American. I told them I'm from California, and they were just shocked, just absolutely mm -hmm. shocked. Um, and then they said they're from the Midwest where they don't really see a lot of Asian Americans in middle of America. And it, it took them a little bit of time to say, okay, you're from the U.S. and I accept it, but um, eventually they did. Yeah, so when I was living in Asia, I struggled getting interviews for jobs. I, as an English teacher, they, a lot of schools told me that I don't look the part of a teacher, okay. of an English teacher, because I have an Asian face and therefore I'm not marketable. So I really struggled with finding work in Asia just because of my face okay. and people's perceptions of it. It's slowly breaking down and I was lucky enough to find a school that was willing to defend me um, when it came to those issues, but it was a struggle. So if you were to speak to someone who is of Asian descent from the U.S. that would want to go to Asia to teach English right now or you know a lot of times people say okay well because a, a part of that is saying okay I would like to go back there because I do feel some sort of connection and I want to understand it yeah. I, if, if I'm saying that wrong please no, let no, me no, know. No. It, it's, I ran into a lot of people like that a lot of um, Asian Americans, Asian Canadians who wanted to go back to the homeland and experience life as it was with their parents, grandparents, and whatnot. And it was a real struggle for them because, I, so what I would say is be prepared for to be discriminated, even mm -hmm. though you're in Asia, because their perceptions of native speakers is very different. Um, and it will be a struggle, but there are people, it's slowly changing, and uh, the perceptions of people are changing too people will eventually ease up and say, okay, you're, you're American of Asian descent and you can speak English and you can be a good teacher. Okay. And do you find that it was sort of like, do you find envy in some of the things that they, like for example, if you're an Asian American in Asia and you're talking to Asians that are wanting to learn English or wanted to? Not really that, it's just more their confusion as to why I wanted to go back to Asia. Because their goal is always to go to the US, Canada, Europe to study and live there because they think it's a better life versus in Asia. And I chose opposite. I wanted to go from the US to Asia to experience life in Asia. So it's more confusion than jealousy, I'd say. Okay. And so after that time there, why did you decide to come to South America? I actually lived in Brazil uh, the, about eight years ago now, and I really enjoyed it. I really loved South. I really loved my time in Brazil. I wanted to find a different part of 
South America I hadn't been to yet, so I, and I knew a couple of Ecuadorians who um, were living in the States, and they just said, well, you know, you should try it, why not? How have you found your experience in, in Ecuador now? So I was living in a smallish city named called Riobamba, um, okay. middle of the country, high out there. I found the altitude was quite difficult. <laughs> the thing is, I in the time that I lived there, I never really experienced anybody pointing out to me that I was different. I only had one instance. I was just walking down the street, an old man, older gentleman decided to walk across the street, stop right in front of me and yell, China! Okay. I just shrugged my shoulders, walked around him and left. And that was the only real time I had some issues. Other than that, even my students were quite okay with me being Asian. You know, the first day of course they were like, where are you from? And they would ask me, are you from China? Are you from Japan? Are you from Korea? And I just kept saying no, no, no. And but after the first day, they were fine with it. But it was just the first day of breaking that barrier of, but you don't look the part. Yeah, you don't look that. Yeah, but USA. after that, yeah, after that, they were fine with it. Okay, and have you had, like, for example, here in Ecuador, there is a very large Asian community. There's, I think, more Chinese than the rest of the groups. Mm -hmm. But they usually stay within groups by themselves. Yes. And of course, every rest, every town, so like Riobamba, where yeah. you were. I'm sure there's at least 15 chifas, which are the Chinese restaurants. Yes, yes. Did you have any ch opportunity to interact or to, uh, have you had, have you actually met a Chinese Ecuadorian? Well, yes and no. So I actually went into a chifa restaurant in Riobamba. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I went to go pay, a restaurant owner who was of Chinese descent, he looked at me, I looked at him, but we spoke in Spanish. Okay. Because I think we were both confused as to what what we what language we should be speaking, mm -hmm. and so we just kind of defaulted to Spanish because we were in Ecuador. But we just looked at each other with this confused face, okay. and he could hear that I was speaking English to my colleagues, and I could hear that he was speaking Mandarin to his family who was in the kitchen. But we just decided to speak in Spanish, and that was my only interaction. I wanted to ask him more questions, but I just felt maybe it was inappropriate, or I didn't know how to approach it. Actually, when I was growing up, I had a lot of friends who are of Korean descent, but they were born in South America. Their first language is Spanish. And when they moved to the States, they spoke Spanish to all Latinos, and all Latinos were like, what's going on here? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, what's going, who are you? Why do you speak Spanish so well? So, yeah, there was this just weird dichotomy of like, um, what does, what, how do I identify ourselves? And, when, you know, our first perceptions of people. When I, when I look at somebody, of course I'm going to form an opinion. That's just human nature. But... I know that a lot of times when people look at me, they're completely wrong. And I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and as I travel, especially in South America, because there is a, an Asian population here. The vote, yeah. Yeah. And I just started to find it really interesting and fascinating. And I just want to explore it more. The, we're getting towards the end of our show for today. Let's go back again to 
if there's any recommendations you have or things that you'd like to point out to people about traveling, regardless of being Asian American or any other, or maybe let's, since our topic of today was identity, if anyone who might not fit that regular mold while they're traveling. Uh, I mean, I think for me, traveling is one, is I do it because I want to meet different people mm -hmm. and I want to know how they live, um, what their daily life is like, and that's why I travel. And regard, and always, I mean, it's human nature that we always form a perception of somebody, no, regardless of if we talk to them or not. We just look at them and we, and we assume something because that's just what we do. But I encourage people to talk to people, talk to them. If you can and speak in their language, hand motions, body gestures, it works, it's international. Um, the smile works a, smile, a lot. Exactly, it works a, a smile lot. works a it's lot, a thumbs up. <laughs> Anything to get a reaction, okay. to break down that barrier, so that you you know something, somebody you know more about that person, except you know not just the look of that person. Mm -hmm. By being able to talk to that person or having the experience with that person that looks different from mm -hmm. you, it helps to also understand, you know, so many other things. When it's because it's usually when you don't know. Mm -hmm. is when you, your mind starts creating things. Exactly. So once you start knowing things, then you become a little bit more aware and you build that relationship. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for talking to me today. Thank you for having me. It went all over the place, but uh, I mean, initially it's kind of perceptions of people and understanding that everybody's different in the world. And on that note, thank you. Have a good day. Thanks for listening in. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Elaine's information could be found in our podcast notes. We also have a written version of her story on our Facebook page. For the people who have not yet subscribed, I encourage you to do so so you get all our updates as soon as they come in. If you also have a travel story that you would like to submit to us, either for our Facebook page or for a future show, send us a mail at elcapsitatraveltalks at gmail.com. Any comments or observations that you might have, please send a mail to elcafcitotraveltalks at gmail.com. Today's show was my first attempt at editing, so if you have any comments or observation, please also let me know. If you would like to support this podcast, please take a look at the travel notes to find out how to do so. All donations will be really appreciated. As always, I look forward to meeting you at some point here in the El Cafcito in Cuenca, Ecuador. All the best. Please stay safe. <music>